Hey, it's Scott Bland, and today we're doing something a little different. We're featuring Politico's daily show, Politico Dispatch, because the special guest on this episode is me, yours truly. If you like what you hear, I promise you the other episodes without me are even better. Just search for Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts, and you can check it out. Thanks for listening. Here's the show. So it's uh, it's nap time right now? Yes. Or, I mean... We, we still call it nap time. Should I, should I be whispering? No, 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 it's fine. We're, <laughs> we're, we're far enough away that we're, uh, we're in no danger. If, if we wake them up, we can, make the, we can pivot and make the show about the, uh, the key baby vote coming in uh, 20 years. I think, I think we're in much more danger of getting interrupted by a nap rebel than, than of, of <laughs> causing trouble uh, for them. So. <laughs> I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, well, he's avoiding interruption from one of his naptime rebel rebels, as Bowie might have called him. We've got Scott Bland, host of our weekly politics show Nerdcast, on the key takeaways from the past two weeks of party conventions and what they can tell us about what's next in the lead up to Election Day. Our great nation is now living in an unprecedented moment. We're facing the worst public health crisis in 100 years and the worst economic collapse since the Great Depression. You know, both conventions, all conventions really come in with two goals in their programming. They want to fire up the base and they want to reach out to swing voters or potential gettable voters. And so we saw Democrats do that with Joe Biden by having you know, the likes of Bernie Sanders. I will work with progressives, with moderates, and yes, with conservatives. And then you also had a significant number of former Republicans, and I guess in some cases current Republicans, who said they were going to vote for Biden. I'm a lifelong Republican, but that attachment holds second place to my responsibility to my country. That's why I've chosen to appear at this convention. Trying to get people to, to think about this, like, oh, I really feel uncomfortable with Trump. I've never voted for a Democrat before. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's like, oh, look, these people are going through what I'm doing, and, and here's what they're doing, right? For Trump's convention, they were really trying to lock down the base by calling Biden a socialist. This election will decide whether we save the American dream or whether we allow a socialist agenda to demolish our cherished destiny. You know, kind of warning of this like far, far left incursion on on their idea of America. They also had a very diverse cast of speakers, much more diverse than the Republican Party as a whole actually is, which was reaching out not only to to voters of color but to maybe some of these kind of traditional Republican types who have been uncomfortable with Trump and trying to say like, hey, wait a second. Maybe we shouldn't be as uncomfortable. I think that was kind of the goal. Whether it worked, who knows? <laughs> we'll see. But that's what it seemed like they were going for. How do you think these conventions give us a glimpse, if at all, into like what the parties are planning or thinking heading into the final stretch of the campaign? I think they give us a pretty good idea of the message we can expect to see, right? Like Trump and the GOP are obviously hammering this law and order idea, and that's what they want to hit hit Biden on. The hard truth is, you won't be safe in Joe Biden's America. 
And under President Trump, we will always stand with those who stand on the thin blue line, and we're not going to defund the police, not now, not ever. Biden and the Democrats are obviously harping on Trump as a governance failure. He has had more than enough time to prove that he can do the job, but he is clearly in over his head. He cannot meet this moment. He simply cannot be who we need him to be for us. And the coronavirus being exhibit A of that, they argue. And then I think on top of that, the the, the conventions also just kind of shine a light on what the party is at this point. I think it's really remarkable just like how focused on Trump everything in the Republican Party is right now. President Trump is the leader who will rebuild the promise of America and ensure that every citizen can realize their American dream. And for the Democrats, it's such a different situation. Biden has said himself that he wants to be this transitional figure in the party and if he's elected for the country. And so, you know, you saw a lot of spotlight shined on others. You mean the world to us, Kamala. And we could not be more excited to share you with the world as the next, as the next vice president, vice president of the United States. Uh, they obviously want Biden front and center because he has plenty of appeal on his own, right? Obviously, he, he won the primary that way. He, he has a lot of appeal among older voters, among college-educated voters, among black voters. But I thought it was interesting the extent to which the Democratic Party kind of spread the spotlight around a little bit. Do we know whether these conventions have had any effect on polling or fundraising for both Biden and Trump? Yeah, well, I'll take the last part of the question first, because that's the one we know a definite answer for. Like, both of these events sent fundraising through the roof for the respective parties. Act Blue, the preferred Democratic donation processor, processed over 80 million bucks in the four days of the Democratic convention. Obviously, not all of that was going to Biden, but but a fair chunk of it did to Biden and the DNC. Uh, Republicans said that Trump and the RNC slightly outraised what what Biden and the DNC said they they raised, but they they raised huge money, and I'm sure that Biden raised a lot of money during <laughs> during the RNC and vice versa as well. In terms of the polling effects, it's really too early to say. We've just seen a couple online polls come back so far that show maybe a slight tightening from beforehand. But we're talking like within or right on the boundary of the margin of error in these. We'll find out a little more over the next couple of weeks. And of course, you know, it's impossible to separate these events from other stuff that's going on. There's a lot going on in the country right now. I will say that so far this year, the, the polling we've seen has been so stable. And honestly, Trump's approval polling has been so stable for the last three and a half years that it's a bit difficult to imagine sharp moves in the race at this point. But it, it certainly wouldn't be the most surprising thing that's ever happened or happened in the last four years or one year. <laughs> so... Is there one single moment from each convention that has stuck with you as sort of a window into the state of the party at this moment or the thinking behind their campaigns right now? I think if you want a single moment from each convention, you got to go with the acceptance speeches. I stand before you tonight, honored by your support, proud of the extraordinary progress we have made together over the last four incredible years. If you entrust me with the presidency, I will draw on the best of us, not the worst. I'll be an ally of the light, not the darkness. These events are built to like build up to those moments and culminate there. And so for the Democrats, what he said, it really had the feeling of, of kind of a sober Oval Office address. Just judge this president on the facts. 
Five million Americans infected by COVID-19. More than 170,000 Americans have died. By far the worst performance of any nation on earth. A lot of which focused on coronavirus. And I think that's really what Democrats are going for with Biden, right? Is that like he's kind of more of a like sober governing choice. For Republicans, I think by, by the same token, you know, Trump choosing to like completely ignore federal uh, ethics laws and and hold this like campaign pep rally at the White House. I am very, very proud to be the nominee of the Republican Party. I love you all. God bless you and God bless America. Thank you very much. You know, if you ask me to pick out a single line that someone said, you know, that they're already fading from memory. <laughs> uh, and, and like I said, I watch every second of both of these things and I'm paying really close attention to this stuff, right? So I, I just, you know, I wonder how big an effect these things do have or can have at this point. Do you think that's because of how weird the medium was? Or do you think it's that like the party politics we're seeing right now is sort of so predictable that it doesn't feel like anything anybody says is, is changing your your look at it? I think a little more the latter. I, I don't think it was the fact that the conventions were were not normal conventions. I just think it's that things feel a little more ossified. But who knows? You know, we've got what, 60 odd days for me to get proven completely wrong about that. <laughs> so, so we'll see. Scott Bland, thanks so much for talking with me. Hey, thanks so much for having me. A little cross-podlination. Uh, <laughs> it's all, always fun. Scott Bland is the host of our weekly podcast, Nerdcast. You can find that and subscribe wherever you're listening. Also, Today, President Trump is set to travel to Kenosha, Wisconsin this week amid high tensions over the police shooting of Jacob Blake. A White House spokesperson told reporters over the weekend that Trump will be meeting with law enforcement officials on Tuesday and surveying some of the damage from recent protests that turned destructive. The visit is all but certain to exacerbate tensions in the city where large crowds have been protesting since last Sunday when officers shot Blake, a 29-year-old black man in the back, leaving him paralyzed. Trump has been running much of his campaign on a law and order message, and Joe Biden has accused Trump of rooting for violence amid the unrest in Wisconsin, telling MSNBC he, quote, views this as a political benefit. And top European officials are calling for a new election in Belarus amid disputed results that have sparked weeks of protests in the country. Alexander Lukashenko, who's been president since 1994, claimed he won a landslide victory earlier this month with 80% of the vote. But critics say the results are fraudulent and the opposition leader beat him, causing mass protests that were violently suppressed by security forces. Over the weekend, the European Union's foreign policy chief called for another election under the supervision of the EU, saying, quote, we can't just express our worries. Leaders in the EU have agreed to impose sanctions on Belarusian officials who are suspected of aiding in voter fraud and participating in violence. 
Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, you can help us out by leaving a rating and review and by telling a friend to check us out. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.